Hello everyone, this is Fahim Jackson, and this is episode 85 of my podcast show, In the Know. This podcast is aimed at trying to guide people through the world with a variety of topics. I'm using this platform to ask questions, and try my best to answer these questions with my viewpoints of the world around me. The following episode introduction speech is for the topic of today, and that introduction speech is regarding what if you had to go through Jesus and Muhammad in order to get into heaven. No matter what your religion is, we all have an idea of what it takes to get into heaven. But have you ever thought what it would be like if you had to go through multiple people in order to get entry? And what I mean by more than one person, I am referring to trying to convince Jesus and the prophet Muhammad to get into heaven. Now wait a minute. How is it possible that you have to go through Jesus and the prophet Muhammad in order to reach heaven? It does not align itself with what we seek to believe, but that does not mean it can't happen and it's not real. Because when you get to heaven and it does not align itself with what you thought, how would you address it? There's nothing you can do because you want to get into heaven. So play by the rules and do what it takes to enter. Because none of us want to end up in limbo and we most definitely don't want to choose the next option, which is hell. So let's analyze this episode regarding Jesus and the prophet Muhammad in both religions, of how we might have to enter to get into heaven. What if you had to go through Jesus and the Prophet Muhammad to gain entry? Let's look at some rules of compliance. No matter what faith base you come from, we all have rules to abide by, like Islam and Judaism and Christianity. But the topic of today is having to go through Jesus and Muhammad to gain entry. So even though both religions have their rules, What about each being on the same page? Have you ever thought to yourself that maybe just maybe they're both in agreement? And if this is held to be true, what are their agreed upon rules to get into heaven? Yes, if you're wondering what they would be, I would have to truly speculate since no such rules exist. So rules of compliance might be outlined from sins and rules that are universal throughout the major religions. Let's look at how death is handled when it comes to the perpetrator. Committing murders has been a cardinal sin in both religions. Should you come to the gates of heaven, what would Jesus and Muhammad say to the person? Number one, the person would be startled to see both of them standing next to each other. But then you have to be judged to gain entry. Because coming from one of the faiths won't aid you since this is something that they both agree is bad. So your religion couldn't even assist you. This would be an easy case of denial into heaven. Otherwise, you would have to make a really strong argument as to why you committed your sin. Then again, what about coming to the gates and your rule of compliance was theft? There are so many levels to theft. In the Islamic world, stealing can be more severe than in Christian-based countries. The Prophet Muhammad may have a view that differs from that of Jesus Christ. But does this automatically mean you get into heaven? Not necessarily. Because we don't know the degree to which you stole and why. Since this is something that might be, that might get a deity 
back in your corner. They're stealing like taking fruit off of a food cart. Then there's Bernie Madoff style stealing where you rob people of billions of dollars. This sin of stealing could easily not be forgiven. One is seen as desperate need, the other excessive greed. Are there any rules you must comply with? Well, yes. How you covet while on earth could affect how you gain entry. Are you coveting wife of someone or coveting something? Now, both are wrong in the eyes of God, but one has greater weight than the other, which lead us to the Ten Commandments. With the previous section, this kind of goes hand in hand with the rules of compliance. Only problem is that these commandments are more linked to Christianity than Islam. Well, that does not mean they don't hold weight. Like I said, you have to get through both Jesus and Muhammad. The first commandment is that no God comes before me. That creates some problems when observing the both religions. But in order to have to get through Jesus and Muhammad, that means both have their own version of God, and they may have to come to an understanding for their viewpoints. The next commandment observes how one shall not put themselves in the likeness of the heaven above. Do not serve this person. This could be more of something that Jesus or Muhammad come to an agreement about. The third commandment of taking the L, the Lord's name, in vain could be forgiven depending on the severity. A quick statement made out of frustration may be forgiven. Yet the severity for repeated offenses is something that cannot be overlooked, especially when the person is fully aware of their infractions. As for the fourth commandment, keeping in line with the Sabbath being holy. I will say over the years, it has not been quite recognized fully. Our society becoming less religious on this day has greatly been forgotten. So this fourth commandment we'll all have to answer for. Next comes the fifth, which expresses honoring your parents. And I'll say here is where most people would pass the commandment test, because the vast majority of people have an honoring factor of their parents. The sixth commandment is thou shall not kill. Here's where the talk between Jesus and Muhammad to convince them as to why you should be here gets uncomfortable. They have all the receipts as to what is what it is you've done. So you better have a very compelling reason, a good claim since this is probably the biggest cardinal sin. There are degrees to which you have done this are outlined within the laws and God's word. He himself has his own degrees. And his degrees are not the law degree. You may have to beat the case of law, but when you die, here's the final judgment. God has been watching you, keeping tabs, so you will not be getting away with anything or from anyone. Number seven is not to commit adultery. Now you're going to be judged if you have slept with another man's wife. We don't know exactly how we will be judged, but there are degrees yet again to which this takes place. Meaning if you slept with a man's wife who lied, this could aid you in getting through the gates of heaven. But if you knew she was married, that could be a problem. Thus you not still is the eighth commandment. And here is another degree to which Jesus and Muhammad may allow you access. What is it that was stolen? Did you steal an ink pen or did you steal money from someone? Did the person need what was stolen or was it not useful? Does the person who steals it in need of it more than the person who lost it? <laughs> Isn't that something? Stealing it because you need more. Notice I said, steal it and not robbery. Robbery implies taking something from someone with force. This is when you get into areas of stolen goods as wrong. Yet still, you have, state, you have to state your claim with Jesus and Muhammad. The ninth is not to bear false witness against your neighbors. Have you made a statement against those that live in your commune that you lied on? 
Here's where Islam comes into play, where there are people who have spoken out against neighbors for speaking ill of the Prophet Muhammad and or Islam. People have been jailed, fined, or even executed for speaking out. So when you die, Muhammad may influence Jesus, even though this is not Islamic commandments. But knowing lying has drastic consequences. Muhammad would have to intervene at the gates of heaven and have some choice words for you. Because this can truly get your hurt on earth in the Middle Eastern countries. So the prophet may want to know why the person decided to put their neighbor in harm's way. And this interaction may be a deciding factor in how Jesus make his decision. And here we are with the last commandment, which is not coveting thy neighbor's wife or other possessions. Here's where Jesus and the prophet Muhammad can have something to say as to why you've decided to live your life as such. What is your reason for coveting? What is it that you want? We seem to always want what others have that we don't have ourselves. So it's something that Jesus and Muhammad may have an issue with, or it could be something they allow to pass. Expecting the unexpected. Once you get to the gates of heaven, you have to plead your case to Jesus and Muhammad. Make sure you have a few things in order before you get here. For starters, be prepared to be asked a lot of questions because this is, will be the final resting place for your eternity. There is nothing worse than being unprepared, but also you need to understand that there may be a wait time. Trust and believe. A lot of people will be ahead of you trying to gain entry themselves. I spoke about this in a previous episode regarding the queue line when trying to get into heaven. People don't realize how many individuals are in front of them. We may have people waiting who died years before you could still be waiting to enter. So be patient with your spot. Another thing to be ready to deal with is the rejection of not getting into heaven as well. No one wants to deal with the idea that they will not get into heaven. I will speak on this a little later in the episode. Now the obvious reason as to how the person might be unexpectedly shaken and nervous is having to go through Jesus and Muhammad for aid into heaven. None of us think we have gotten into heaven via Jesus or Muhammad at the same time. So this hurts to know you practice over the years. And now you have to go through someone who you never believed in while on earth. And yet what do you do when you put into this situation? Here's what you do. You have to just go through them. They are your access into heaven, not the other way around. So swallow your pride and do what it takes to enter. How about who you have to convince and how? Let's look at convincing Jesus Christ. You're going to align yourself with what is coming from his mouth because you are a Christian, if you are. He, in your mind, is the Son of God, so you're prepared to hear the reality of getting into heaven by Christ. Now, coming across something like Islam might make you feel a certain way because you have been living according to Christian methods. How are you supposed to know if something that went against Islam can hurt you? But let's sit back for a second. They understand you're going to be following the ways of Christian texts. Now, how will Muhammad judge you when it is his turn to decide your fate? Which brings us to convincing the prophet Muhammad. Here's where the person that is Muslim will feel like, they're, like they are good. What about the person who is not Islamic? Well, let's first look at the people who believe in Islam. They're the ones who have to abide by the Quran, making sure they didn't break any rules that fall under Sharia law. Because even though the person did, didn't get caught on earth, Muhammad sees them. 
So I wouldn't know why a person would think they could get away from breaking the rules of Islam. Now, what about the people who have to convince Muhammad that, that are not Islamic? This could be tough coming from one of the other religions, such as Christianity, especially considering people on earth have all these thoughts and opinions of Islam. So to have to stand before Muhammad makes you want to express your grievances. But note to self, you are being watched by Jesus as well. Convincing God. We've covered Jesus and Muhammad about trying to gain access into heaven. But what about God over both of them? We have to understand that someone is above them giving direction as to how to allow access. Because men like Jesus and Muhammad are people who pretty much had an open access after their departure from earth. Now as for the masses, I am sure there would be a layout for Jesus and Muhammad to follow that God has for them to ask people at the gates. So your ability to gain access has to do with the rules that God has laid before Jesus and Muhammad for you. So you're trying to impress them. And what are God's rules? We don't know those rules. Because we did the job entering. Because if we did know the job, entering would be easy. Let's be honest. God is not going to make it entering that easy. Because if it were, there would be no such thing as hell. So whose rules are right? Now, most of us by now want to know something that has been not been answered. And, those are, and, those, and whose rules are the right rules to live by? Because if Jesus and Muhammad are the ones that we have to go through, and they are getting their orders from God, who should we care more about? Well, in my opinion, God's words are more important. But you don't know what God wants. So you have to appease these two individuals. In that regard, even if God is guiding Jesus and Muhammad in what to say, it is still a problem gaining entry. In my opinion, you must listen to, the, listen to Jesus and Muhammad in order to enter. Because even if they allow you access, that means you got through God anyways. This is a great thing. But let's say they tell you no. Does that mean God won't allow you access? Maybe then again, God could also give the three, I mean give both of them, an option to allow you access outside of himself. Which means God gives them guidance, yet he is not the main reason why you gain entrance. Their decisions alone could aid you. We will never know until the time comes. Not getting through the gates. What does this mean? You are standing at the gates. You are told you cannot come in to the gates of heaven. This is the feeling that no one wants to have to hear. Because all of us feel that life on earth has been lived to the best of our ability. For example, my life on earth has been pretty good. So if I were to head off to the gates, I would think that my entry would be in good standing. Yet there are still the odds of me not getting into heaven. I would be hurt if that were to happen. To me, my life was good. But maybe they saw something I didn't see. Maybe they remember something that I forgot. Here's where you start scrambling about the mind regarding what you might have done that put you in this predicament. There isn't anything I could recall that would get me sent to the underworld or have my soul just hanging around in limbo. Limbo would just have me as idol of a soul until I could plead my case at a later time. Let's just, for my sake, hope things go according to how I think my plans will pan out. So, what about redeeming yourself after being turned away? We are in limbo, position after we have been rejected from heaven. Now, the great thing is that we are not going to hell. 
But how do we get ourselves back on track in order to state our case with regards to getting into heaven? How does this happen? It means that you didn't come correct the first time. And now you have to come back to redeem yourself. Now sit here and think about all the things you've done and said. Rework your approach and show up with more honesty. Show up ready to answer the difficult questions that before you were not prepared to answer. What are some of those questions? Well, my best guess is that when asked to do, do you remember, do you recall what you've done? Oh yeah, try lying about it because then again, God knows your heart. Sees all and knows all and know what you've done. This may get you cut at the gates, but pushed out of limbo as well. Into hell if you lie again. Now let's look at the reality of all of this. Now we all have these ideas of what hell might be like. But have you ever thought for one second that maybe heaven and hell symbolizes something here on earth? And the judgment from Jesus and Muhammad could be someone of authority that we greatly respect who guides us through our heavenly journey. We have a great fundamentalist view of, on life, especially if it, as it pertains to religion. Telling people after they die they will be judged at the gates of heaven doesn't sound rational to us. So we have to find a way to make sense of everything after we die. But more of the religious views are connected to something here on earth. We just have to figure out what the thing is we are making the connection with. Then and only then will religion start to make sense to those who are fundamentalists. And with this end statement, why we all have to know, what if we had to go through Jesus and Muhammad for entry into heaven? You know, it's interesting to assume that people might have to pass through Jesus and Muhammad in order to gain entry into heaven. And to even present this to a person that believes in one of the major religions, you will get pushback from the masses. Now me, on the other hand, I don't think it is crazy to understand. How do we know what will happen after we die? We don't have to believe it for it to be true. It's all about getting out of your own way. But how do you tell people to get out of the way that they don't think it's a problem? I don't know how to answer that question. What I will say is think outside the box. You might just surprise yourself. So, thanks for listening to In The Know. And I'll bring you another episode regarding religion. The topic will be about asking the question, Is heaven and hell real?